0: So what would camp be like if the campers made their own schedule and did what they wanted to do? Also, what's the most important thing to focus on during staff training? My guest this episode, Scott Arizala, has the answers to these questions and a whole lot more.
1: Welcome to the Summer Camp Pro Podcast. Welcome to the Summer Camp Pro Podcast.
0: Scott Arizala is the founder and CEO of a company called the Camp Counselor, which provides support, education, and direction for all camp professionals, programs, and staff. He has been involved with camps and youth development for over 30 years as a camper, counselor, administrator, teacher, and consultant. As a professional speaker and educator, Scott has given keynotes, workshops, seminars, and educational sessions at numerous professional conferences, training events, and organizations. He has a few specialty resident camps, which you'll hear about in the interview. I met Scott at a conference around five years ago. He's a great guy with a real passion for camp and working with camp staff. Uh, Scott, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this interview. I'm so excited. You are You're probably one of my favorite people in the camp industry. Oh, thanks, Moose. Um, yeah,
1: I appreciate that.
0: It's it's true. And uh, so I'm really excited about this. Before we kind of get started, if you can kind of give us a little more information on who you are personally and uh, maybe what got you into camping.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I grew up going to camp. So what got me into camping was, you know, my parents at the, uh, at the ripe old age of six decided that, It was time for me to go to my first overnight camp. Um, I had been going to the Ann Arbor YMCA day camp uh, since about three, and then at six, um, my parents in cahoots with my best friend's parents um, decided that it was time to get rid of the two boys for the summer um, and sent us uh, up north, and here in Michigan, uh, that is 250 miles north of Ann Arbor to uh, YMCA Camp Algonquin. Um, so I started going there when I was six, and, and I really, I, I, n- I never turned back. I, I went from when I was six to when I was about 24 or 25 at Camp Algonquin, um, you know, went from the, the littlest camper to the director over the course of those years, and, and I just fell in love with the, with the relationship, um, uh, the relationship between adults and kids, the relationship between kids, uh, the relationship between everybody and the environment. Um, it just felt right. Uh, I went into to college thinking, okay, uh, I want to be with kids, so I probably should be a teacher. Uh, and then somewhere along the line, in the, my first few years of school, somebody, um, a camp director of mine told me, um, you know, this is, a, this is like a real job. You know, you can do this forever if you want. And that was kind of that first moment that I had that I really thought to myself, oh, you know, I, I could just do camp. Um, and, you know, I kind of went on from that experience at Camp Algonquin and was a day camp director for a couple of years and uh, camp director in upstate New York for a few years. And, and then when I was transitioning out of that camp in upstate New York, that was really when I really decided I wanted to sort of try my hand at the kind of consulting and training side of the side of the world uh, or the, the camp world anyways. And so um, I sort of set up shop as, as the camp counselor and, and kind of went from there. Um, and, and I've been doing, you know, camps, whether it's on the training level or consulting level or running my own camps now, uh, you know, forever. So, uh, you know, I kind of got into that and, uh, sort of, sort of the honest way where I kind of grew up going to camp and, um, you know, you asked me a little bit about, you know, me personally and my family and all that. And, uh, it's a good segue because we're, we're a real camp family. I mean, my wife and I. Uh, met at camp. Uh, she she actually grew up at the same camp camp Algonquin So we've known each other since we were kids
0: oh, cool!
1: Um, and we actually got married at that camp um, hmm. And then this actually this past summer my daughter my oldest my oldest child my daughter uh, Who's six went to went to camp Algonquin for the very first time. So was um, fun. yeah, so so we're a real camp family and and um, uh, I Love being able to share my camp experiences. I, obviously with my wife, but now my kids, you know, my my daughter Linnea, who's six, went to camp. And my middle son, Desmond, who's uh, three and a half, uh, spent the the majority of the summer with me uh, and Linnea at, at my camp uh, called Dragonfly Forest, which is out in the, the Philadelphia area. Um, and then my youngest uh, son, uh, his name is Griffin. He just turned two. Um, he'll probably be joining us, if not next year, certainly in, in 2017. So, um so yeah, you know, during the year I get I get an opportunity to um work at home and really be here for my kids and anybody who's who's worked with me knows that I have a pretty hard stop in the afternoon at about 3:30 when it's when it's time to do pick up for all the kids at their various schools and I get to do um the doctor's appointments and and all that kind of stuff during the year and then during the summer I get to to uh go off and be be this wild camp guy so it's
0: it's a it's a nice mix do you have the minivan when you go pick up the kids i do well
1: (laughs) i do and unlike most dads i am very proud of my minivan i love (laughs) i will rock my minivan even if i don't have my kids with me so uh yeah no i'm that dad for sure driving all around going to the y going to you know soccer practice and all that kind of stuff so
0: that's great it's a bit unusual for a professional camp speaker or consultant to actually work at a camp during the summer. So I definitely wanted to find out about the three camps that Scott was involved with. So tell us about um, Dragonfly Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: I, I run three camps right now. The Dragonfly Forest, I'm the executive director of, of that camp that I've been mm-hmm. with Dragonfly Now for this past summer was my 11th summer with them. Um, for most of that time, I was the, I was the camp director. And, and um, in the last couple of years, I transitioned into being the executive director. Uh, and that camp is a uh, nonprofit for kids uh, with autism and special medical needs. So we run um, anywhere from three to five sessions, one week sessions. Um, and we work with kids who have autism Uh, We work with kids who have something called 22Q, which is a fairly rare chromosomal deletion disorder. Um, We do a session for kids with persistent asthma uh, and a hematology session. So that usually includes uh, uh, kids with um, hemophilia as well as kids with sickle cell.
0: So I assume you have uh, medical volunteers, medical staff?
1: You do, yeah. So the staffing is uh, fairly typical on, on the, the camp side of things. We, you know, we have a couple of year-round camp directors who work with us all the time. We bring in a couple of seasonal directors. We have um, our middle management sort of team that we call unit leaders, uh, and then we have um, you know, counseling staff. Uh, and then on the medical side of things, we do. We have, we have two medical directors uh, as well as a, just a host of nurses, doctors, uh, respiratory therapists, uh, kind of depending on the session, we get a bunch of different types of folks. Uh, we have a pretty close relationship with CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, as well as St. Chris, which is the other kind of big hospital in Philadelphia, um, where we get most of our, our medical, medical volunteers.
0: That's one of the hardest positions for a camp to fill is that nurse spot. Mm-hmm. Any, uh, tips on finding nurses for the summer? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh nurses and,
1: and uh and cooks, right? Those are the two right. I mean, yeah, you know, I I guess my best advice really, you know, we're we're very clearly different than most camps, right, when it comes to that kind of piece. Where whereas, you know, we have we have the, the good fortune to have relationships with these hospitals and particularly the social workers in these hospitals. So that we can uh, market our programs, which then sort of hand in hand fits pretty nicely with then being able to sort of um, you know have it go up the chain and uh, get us meetings and whatnot with some of the the departments that will then feed us some of those staff. So, for example, CHOP has a volunteer program for a lot of their nurses, um, and so their nurses can can use that some of their volunteer hours to come and work at camp so you know we have an opportunity and uh, That a lot of camps don't offer but but I would say that the that the tips that you can glean from what we do I think are one um, Understand who the key players are at your local uh, your local children's hospital um, or you know uh, Pediatrician big pediatricians office and for us really those key players have been the social workers the social workers just know what's going on with the families and know what's going on with the doctors and, and the nursing staff and all that and can kind of point you in the right direction. The other key thing that has happened to us, um, and this is not unlike any, anybody, any industry really, but anybody in camp that works with some key partners, um, to find your one or two um, sort of big advocates. The one or two people that you don't need to sell camp on, you don't need to sell the program on, that are just believers you get one or two of those folks kind of in your corner and they're the ones that then know how to play the system, know how to point you towards, you know, whether it's something like CHOP and have they have a, a volunteer program or whatever, know how to point you in the right direction, know who you need to talk to to get to the right people, and then all of a sudden your folks like the nurse or, or if you're a kind of camp that wants docs and whatnot, all of a sudden those people will start to, start to be there. Um, and be available to you, the one thing that I will tell you is almost every camp that I work with that i that I know of um, either has a long history with a nurse or they're sort of constantly turning that over and and always looking for new nurses there's very few kind of in between, and um I think that that when you and create that kind of long-standing relationship with somebody, just the better. They start to understand your program more, mm-hmm. they understand you more. And when it is time for them to say, "You know what? I can't give you 10 weeks in my summer anymore," there they're, they're going to be the ones that have the professional connections to say, "Well, maybe I can give you two or three weeks, but I know this other nurse that might be able to give you another two or three weeks, so on and so forth.
0: Right, right. I worked at one camp, and uh, it had, of course, a summer program, but also had an outdoor education during the rest of the year. And so they had one nurse that just lived on site the whole time, and she had been there for, I think, a decade. Sure. And yeah, it's like you said, she knew the program inside and out, and uh, it was great. The first camp that I worked at, we had one week each summer that was asthma camp. And mm-hmm. the second summer I was there, that particular week, there were forest fires around us. Oh, and dude. so it was just all ash. And yeah. it, of, of all weeks, it was that one week of asthma camp that we had to keep all the kids inside. And, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was something. Uh, they still had a good time, though.
1: <laughs>
0: of <course I> <laughs> so you yeah. have Dragonfly Forest. um what is the
1: second camp that you do? So uh, a few years ago, my wife and my family and I decided to move back home. And for us, that's Ann Arbor, Michigan. And at the same time, um, my business partner, longtime friend, actually my wife's best friend, um, and somebody who also grew up going to camp with us, her name is Sylvia, uh, decided to move back to Ann Arbor as well. Sylvia is has been my co camp director at Dragonfly forever. She's actually my co executive director now at Dragonfly. So when we all kind of moved back to Ann Arbor together, uh, Sylvia and I kind of said to ourselves, hey, you know, we've been out all over the country doing this camp thing for kids everywhere else. Why aren't we doing it at home? So for our home community. So from that conversation, we decided to start a camp uh, called Camp Tall Tree. Uh, it's here in Michigan. Currently, it's a, it's a one-week program. Uh, we've been running for three summers. Uh, it's a traditional uh, overnight camp for kids uh, with autism. So we do that here in Michigan. This is our third summer. Uh, this past summer, we actually um, started two new uh, programs under the umbrella of Camp Tall Tree. So we have uh, May, what we call now Main Camp, which is our, our typical program where we serve about 40 kids uh, with autism. We also do uh, what we call the Camp Tall Tree Explorers, which is a uh, transition to adulthood program for uh, uh, older teens and young adults, um, where basically we're doing, um, you know, vocational, pre-vocational type skills, uh, cooking, cleaning, organizing, self-advocacy, that kind of stuff, um, but in the environment of, of summer camp, you know, kind of with the framework being summer camp. So, you know, they still get to make ta dyes and go swimming and have a lot of recreation time. And basically what we're trying to do is use the, the environment, uh, you know, sort of the interest and, and interest based and sort of fun strength based environment of summer camp to start working more on some of these, these adulthood type skills. Um, so we, we started that this year. Uh, we had about 15 kids in that program It went amazingly well. We're super excited about pushing that into the future. Um, and then we also started brand new this summer a program called Camp Tall Tree Siblings. Um, and that is for uh, typical kids uh, who have a sibling with special needs. And uh, we wanted to create an environment where those kids could come have their summer camp experience for us to be able to sort of shine that bright light of attention on them um, and have their own unique experience. Uh, at summer camp and and uh, again that went that went really well too uh we had only about six or seven kids in that in that program this year, so we're really excited to kind of ramp that up and get that that really going um you know our our whole intention behind that program was was basically to create a space where kids could come and staff and other kids just get it you know it's not about it's not about education it's not about learning about other you know, disabilities or special needs or anything like that. It's just about creating a space, uh, as you well know uh, that we can create at summer camp where people just get me, man. People just understand, <laughs> understand who I am and, and take it, take me for what it's worth and, and aren't trying to get me to do this or get me to do that or anything. Right. Just, just, I can just be me. Uh, and that, that was pretty powerful for those kids this summer. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's, that's the second camp.
0: The staff that you hire, um, do they usually have somebody in their family with autism?
1: Um, the staff that I
0: hire, no, not necessarily.
1: Uh, that's an interesting question because, you know, you would think with these kind of two camps, right, this, this sort of autism-based camp and the kind of special needs, you know, medical-based camp that, that we do at Dragonfly, you would think that or, you know, intuition would say, uh, oh, well, he must hire, uh, you know, medical students, um, uh, autism support classroom teachers or just uh, so people would be drawn to that yeah you know yeah. folks like that and, and to be really honest uh, we don't um, not, not not that those folks wouldn't be good camp counselors necessarily um, but we we actually go after the same people that everybody goes after you know you're kind of typical 19 year old that's all fired up and has more energy than anybody else on the planet um, you know those are the people that we want to hire now Having said that, of course, you know when you run programs like this, um, you know you, you got to be interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, some have been touched by autism or other, you know, medical needs in in their lives, um, but most haven't. To be to be really honest, Moose, like that that is very intentional on our part. Um, you know, with both Dragonfly and Camp Tall Tree, uh, you know, at the very beginning of these things, we set out to say to ourselves. Um, you know, we are not interested in running autism camp or sickle cell camp or asthma camp Um, we are interested in creating summer camp for kids who may not be able to be successful elsewhere Um, and while that sounds like kind of just like semantics and I'm just playing around with the words you know, that is a very specific philosophy that we've tried to carve out which then leads us to all these very fairly major things, staffing being one of them. If I if you're a great camp counselor and you fit that mold, man, I, I I can teach you, you know, the handful of things that you need to understand about autism. I can teach you the handful of things that you need to understand about sickle cell. Um, you know, in fact the matter is, is because, you know, at least at Dragonfly, we're a medical-based camp, you don't need to know much about sickle cell. You don't need to know much about asthma. That's what the doctors are for. You need to be all fired up and want to, and have more energy than anybody else. That's the most important part.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it lines up with just my philosophy on hiring staff for, you know, your typical camp. Is that if I find people with the right personality, they don't need experience because I can yep. teach that part. I can teach what they need to do in certain situations, um, the games, how to interact with kids, all that type of thing. But if they have the if they have the right attitude, the right outlook, the right personality, then you know, I'm I'm all for it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yep. So now you've got the stomping ground that started this year or last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, no.
1: This past summer okay. was our first summer. So yeah, that's it. That's our that's that's my third camp. So um, you know, a couple of years back I met uh, James Davis uh, from Summer Camp Revolution as well as from Go Camp Pro. Um, at, I don't know, Tri State, one one of the, one of the conferences. And, and he was really interested in this idea of unstructured free play. And we, we just hit it off. He was one of these guys that is super smart, um, really uh, thoughtful about a lot of what he does. And he, and we just hit it off and we ended up having these kind of phone dates where we would, you know, just spend two, three hours on the phone just, really diving deep into some of these, these kind of heady ideas around what we can do. What are some of the possibilities around what, what we can do with kids? Um, and then, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, uh, a couple of years back, I, I was also introduced to um, Jack Schott and Laura Kriegel from Camping Coast to Coast, who are also very in, interested in, in the, some of those same ideas. Um, and the more and more we all started talking, um, and by we all, I mean Jack, Laura, James, myself, and then my business partner, Sylvia, who I mentioned earlier. Um, the five of us started sort of talking about, you know, could we take some of these ideas um, to sort of that programmatic level? I mean, could we take this idea of unstructured free play? Some of the ideas that are coming out of the, the homeschooling or unschooling movement around child freedom and child choice. Um could we take some of the, the research that's based on some of the, these ideas about how kids develop problem, creative problem-solving skills and some of the other kind of 21st century skills, not to use too much of a buzzword right now, but some of those ideas. How do you create a program that can kind of be geared in that direction? And, and so the more and more we got to talking, and we're all camp people, the more and more we just said, you know what, we should, just, we should start a camp. And so we did. Uh, we spent a lot of last year trying to get it together, trying to create, lay the foundation. And this past summer, we started Stomping Ground, which uh, we had about sixty-five kids, um, and it was amazing. I mean, we just had a really amazing week at camp, and and just like any. Other brand new project. There were a bunch of things that you know we missed the mark that we that we're going to go back to the drawing board on and and try to reinvent some of those things. And there was a bunch of stuff that we really nailed and felt really good about. And and there were some things that surprised us that we that we weren't sure about. Um, uh, but overall, it was a really uh, a great experience. And and um, it was fun to try and do something totally different. You know, we had a lot of people kind of look at us and say. Well, what do you mean? You're going to have a camp that you don't have a bedtime. Kids can just stay up as late as they want,
0: or yeah, what do you so, mean? So this camp? is the idea of them being able, kind of, to uh, dictate how they want camp to be. There's no yeah. schedule per se, and and yeah. if they want to do an activity, they they do it right. And you, as staff, are there just to kind of support what. They
1: want to do. Is that right? I mean, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So it started from this idea of all these ideas swirling around, um, unstructured free play and child child centered and child directed learning and play, right? And it moved for us philosophically. It moved from that to a space where if we're going to create a program, one of our guiding principles has to be uh, we're going to kind of throw out. This, this idea of the golden rule, right? You know, treat others the way you would want to be treated. Well, that is a very um, sort of me-centric idea, right? That, that's put, that puts me at the center of the universe. And what, what we're talking about is something really different. And so we kind of, the guiding philosophy was, we want to treat, the way you, the, we want to treat you the way you want to be treated, right? Which dictates all kinds of other ideas, uh, all kinds of ideas around consent, all kinds of ideas around control, all kinds of ideas around responsibility. You know, we did have to have some rules. I'm not about to sit here and say we had no rules camp, um, which should uh, scare everybody, right? Of course we had rules, right? But we had some very basic rules that uh, that we didn't go much farther than, you know? Your rights to do what you want to do can't infringe on other people's rights. So they get to do what they want to do just as much as you get to do what you want to do. There can be no violence, right? And, and and people need to be supervised, right? At the end of the day, those were basically the three rules, the operating rules that we had at camp. But what we found was where most camps create structure, we were trying to think of it in terms of, is that about control for kids or is that about adult convenience? So no, everyone has to be at breakfast. Well, why? Well, yeah, we have some responsibility to making sure kids are, are, are fed and that they're, they're safe. Okay, fine. We'll make sure of that, but does that mean they have to be at breakfast? No. Having to be at breakfast is really an adult convenience thing. We want everyone to be at breakfast because we have to supervise everybody. We have to know where everybody is and so on and so forth, right? But being at breakfast is not about keeping them safe and keeping them fed, right? If we can keep them safe and fed in a different way without having this control freak kind of moment where it's that we say, no no, no you have to come now and da-da-da. Well let's try it. Let's try it. Well isn't isn't sending kids to bed at a certain time, isn't that about keeping them healthy? Okay, yeah, I, I see that. But can we keep them, can we, can we honor that idea in a different way without sending them to bed? Well let's see. Let's see if we can. I'm not about to sit here and say that we were hundred percent successful, you know, when when forty of the sixty kids decided to stay up till two o'clock in the morning on the very first night of camp, what we realized was, well, this this seems a little unsustainable. Right? Why? Well, because the staff are dragging. And the staff have to be up by, you know, eight o'clock tomorrow morning for breakfast because some kids want to go to breakfast tomorrow morning. And so this is really unsustainable. So how can we do this? And we we ended up changing some things along the way. And by about the third night Two things happened. One, we decided to say to everybody, "Hey, you know what? Camp actually closes at midnight. You guys can stay up and to 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 um to make sure that everyone is supervised, you know, we want you in your cabins. Um but you don't have to go to bed. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying that camp closes and so you by by midnight we have to have everyone back in in their cabins. Now, Anybody that's listening to this, or you might yourself right now want to argue with me and say, well, isn't that semantic, Scott? And isn't some of that some of those rules? But yeah, yeah, sure, it is. But we're just playing around with this. We're trying to figure out how to create a community around some of these ideas. And what ended up happening, as you you probably well could guess, most kids of the 65, 55 to 60, by night three, were going to bed by 10 because they were tired. Because it's like any other camp where... They're running around crazy all day, and by 10 o'clock, they're all passed out. But, you know, guess what? Those 10 kids that really do need some of that extra wind-down time really do need to lay in their bunks and read a book for an hour, really do need to literally run around until midnight, got the opportunity to do that, and were better off for it, and they were having conversations with our staff about how they were more responsible for their own needs than the adults around them were. And that, to me, was the sort of point of some of of what we were trying to do versus just, uh, you know, create enriching experiences or, you know, uh, overlay on top of kids different kinds of rules and structure because, well, we know what's best, we're the adults and so on and so forth. Well, let's teach them some of those things with some of the ideas there.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. I guess my thought is um, as kids, we almost want that structure at times. You know, we almost want to be told, OK, here's what you do next or here's instead of having to think about it all the time. You didn't find that that to be true?
1: Uh, no, we did find that to be true. and And so therefore, there was some structure built in. Uh, You know, we had a schedule. Breakfast was at a certain time. There were two activities in the morning, lunch, rest hour, two activities in the afternoon, a big evening activity. The way the schedule looks on paper it's exactly like any other overnight camp, right? Um, So we did have the structure there specifically for those kids that that thrive in a structured environment and specifically for those kids who are kind of on the edge, right? Who sometimes need to be able to just do their own thing and sometimes need a little bit more direction. We were trying to kind of, I don't want to say split the difference, but what we were trying to do is create a space where all those needs could be met. And what we found is that if we can, you know, at summer camp, just generically now taking a big step back, summer camp, we're you know what we're really good at? we're really good in general at creating these like over the top crazy programs that kids are like super attracted to and like want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why I have so many camps out there are, are, you know, you create these lifers, these, these, these kids that live and die and breathe your camp. Part of it's that kind of programming. Part of it's the, the culture, part of it's the connection to to history and being a part of something bigger, part of it's your staff, you know, all these kind of pieces fit into that. Um, we wanted to create that same kind of experience, but then take away the rules that dictate what you have to do, right? And so we tried to create those programs and tried to create uh, to try to try to create enough attraction to those things that kids were choosing to do do those things on their own, and when they chose not to do those things to have like real choices and options that they could go do, right And when I say when i when I highlight the word real, what we try to do is create options uh, that weren't your sort of typical um, um, adult non-choices, right? And we've all been there and heard adults do this before, right? Like, oh, come and do this thing and have a lot of fun. Oh, you don't want to do that? That's fine. Why don't you go just like, your choice can be to sit there and do nothing quietly. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, it's like a total fake choice. That's not a real choice, you know? And so what we try to do is create the three or four or five program options and then say, well, you know, if that's not your thing, hey, you know what? I've noticed that you're real interested in name it, you know, reading a book, doing quieter arts and crafts activities, just playing gaga, whatever it is, let's see if one of those kinds of things can be an option. Or do you have some other ideas? And so there was a lot of training involved there with our staff to figure out how we could constantly be trying to say yes to kids as opposed to just throwing up those, those, those obstacles, those challenges, those no's that are often much more about what's convenient for the adult than it is about what is, what is good or, or, or convenient uh, for the kid.
0: What an interesting concept, right? I'm guessing though with many of your camps, if given a choice, a number of your campers would spend their whole week at the Gaga Pit. But as Scott was talking, one thought kept lingering in the back of my mind. What about those kids who didn't want to go to breakfast? How do you make something like that work? If a kid doesn't want to go do breakfast, what do they what do they end up doing? Uh, they well, we
1: only had a few kids that actually didn't show up to breakfast, and you can probably guess who those kids were, right? It was like the fifteen year old that we had that just basically slept in, mm-hmm. and so you know the what the logistical piece of that is, we had to kind of create with the the camp host. Uh, almost a continental-style continental, continental style breakfast where that would just be available until 10 or 10.30 or something like that. Um, and then, of course, with those kids and their particular staff members, we had to make sure that we had the human resources to be able to still supervise them. Luckily, we were in a physical space where uh, the kind of villages, quote-unquote, that we were using, you know, somebody could kind of set up shop in the middle of the village and so if we had a couple two three kids um uh sleeping in that somebody could kind of hang out at the circle fire and they were still you know supervised and it wasn't that big of an issue and then we had a radio system where we could get kids to one places or you know places or another and whatever there was a lot of logistical pieces but at the end of the day you know what was most important to us is the conversation surrounding some of those choices. So is this but,
0: something that you're going to uh, try to implement in your other camps?
1: We, you know what's interesting is so Stomping Ground was at the very beginning of the summer. It was the last week of June for me. And so I had both my other camps after Stomping Ground. And we absolutely did a lot more of, of this sort of stuff uh, in our programs and then certainly in the in the training pieces for both Dragonfly and Camp Talltree. Uh, which is interesting because if you really look at, you know, you, you think to yourself, okay, a camp for kids with autism, right? That's like superstructure, right? And, and and to some degree it is, right? You know, like a lot of kids with autism, you know, sort of thrive in this very structured, very rigid environment um, where the rules are very explicit and, and so on and so forth. Um, but what I found interesting was that the philosophy of, uh, uh, that we tried to sort of... Think about and 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 use at stomping ground actually is very similar to to how we run dragonfly and tall tree in that um, what we really want for kids is to for them to create some independence and make some choices on their own, but for it to be fun, interest, strength based. So at our at our other camps, if we got a kid who just is not interested in a particular activity. Uh, we don't force them to stay. We don't force them to do it and all this kind of stuff. You know, we try to come up with some other options and some other ideas kind of right there. So it looks different. It feels different. Um, but the foundation is very similar in that what we're trying to do is help kids have more control over over themselves.
0: Gotcha. Now with all these camps you rent out space, right? You don't have your own.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We lease we lease the facility for all three camps, yeah.
0: And uh and that seems to work out well?
1: It does, you know, it comes with its own set of challenges. You know, yeah. when you're when you're a guest somewhere else, you know, and you're a camp, you're generally kind of the messiest people around. So it presents its own set of problems, but at the same time, uh it is um it takes away a number of problems that most camp directors have that we don't have. You know, I don't have to worry about a lot of facility and maintenance stuff. I'm I'm not constantly, you know, uh, interacting with the maintenance director about the leach field for the, you know, the bathrooms and all the kind of stuff that a lot of camp directors, you know, have to worry about. Um, So it's, you know, there's pros and cons, but it works, it works well for us.
0: So for somebody who's looking to start their own camp, whether it be one week or um, all summer long, this is a good uh, way to kind of start things off. Is to rent uh, out a or lease uh, out a camp. Yep,
1: yeah, I I would absolutely um, uh, suggest it to people. Uh, it is it's a good it it works well. Um, it's a good way to sort of test the waters a bit with your program and your particular population that you are trying to serve and or a different uh, idea that you're trying to, to create with your program. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's also a nice way to support the camp community. Um, you know, there are a lot of camps out there that have absolutely beautiful facilities that are not full and wait, wait listed, or maybe only run seven or eight weeks during the summer, which leaves, you know, a couple, two, three week shoulder season of the summer on either end of the, of the summer and whatnot, and to be able to help, uh, be a part of, of, the wider camp industry by helping to fill camps like that, I also think is is a uh, is important
0: so and you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the year as well
1: and you don't have to yeah exactly you don't have to worry about it and 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 you know you you, you know you have to deal with some of the headaches that come with it you can't have everything exactly the way you want it and you know sometimes there are other issues going on uh, that are out of your control, whether that's human resource issues with the camp right. or scheduling issues with another program that's in there or their particular
0: program but you know
1: all that all that is uh nothing new to any camp person
0: gotcha scott is a summer staff trainer most of his workshops are on staff training and development and he's trained thousands of staff across the country so this is a topic i want to dive a bit into so we talked um, a little bit about you know what you look for in staff. What would you say is the most important thing that camps should focus on when it comes to teaching or training the, that week before camp or the first couple of weeks before camp? Yeah, sure.
1: That's an interesting question, uh, Moose, because that, that has changed for me over the years that I've done this. I think there are probably times in my life where I would have said, uh, you know, concentrate more on the quote-unquote soft skills versus those hard skills. You know, mm-hmm. I really want counselors to be able to know how to interact with a group versus just how to teach archery. Um, I, there, Once upon a time, I probably would have said uh, the most important things are the kind of uh, – those interactive skills, either one-on-one or with small groups, between a counselor and uh, and a camper. Once upon a time, I probably would have added a bunch of stuff about how do you uh, create really positive group experiences for kids, because you know, at the end of the day, that's you know you could boil camp down to kind of that, right? Like a a bunch of kids in the woods somewhere, right? So it's like it's this positive. We want it to be this positive social kind of experience and. And all those things are important, uh, don't get me wrong. And, you know, it's sort of leading up to this point where it was about to sound like I was going to say something like, but none of that's important. (laughs) Um, I do think all of that stuff is important. However, in the last probably two or three years, I've changed that whole perspective because because I run my own camps. I see on-the-ground problems just like every camp director out there sees. I also do all this consulting and training work, so I see all these other camps and I'm privy to all this information that other camp directors and other organizations feed me. And I can, I can tell you that just about every issue, I would say well into the 90% uh, of issues, uh, don't necessarily boil down to anything that I just said. Doesn't boil down to any of the soft skills, doesn't boil down to knowing the schedule or how to teach something, doesn't boil down to how do you help kids like create relationships with each other, any of that kind of stuff. Almost all the problems that we have as camp folks, particularly around with our staff, uh, boil down to them working with each other, not working with kids, right? Uh, Yes, some of them don't get it when it comes to working with kids and whatever, but some of their major issues that are coming up are really about this whole kind of teamwork atmosphere that we try to create at camp. Um, So to answer your question more specifically, like currently, one of the things that I'm telling a lot of folks is, if you sort of relegate the team building quote unquote or team play aspect to that kind of one hour in the afternoon on the first day of training and then you get to say, hmm, great, we did our team building activity. Now I can check it off the list. <laughs> You're doing something wrong because teamwork should be, should be something that happens, uh, well, basically all year round. But if we're really talking about training – from the very beginning to the very end. It's about how we're doing this together, right? Yes, we need the buy-in on why we're doing it. Yes, we need the the where and then the what and all that kind of stuff of, of what we're trying to do, all the mechanics of it. Um, and we certainly need some skills to be able to uh, interact with kids who are homesick or are bullying or are um, having a wonderful day and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think the thing that we are missing currently in a big broad stroke of our training is the fact that we do this together and we need to really think about that and train specifically to that because your average 19 year old who works at your camp out there may have great energy may have great ideas about games may have a very intuitive way of connecting with a kid who's not feeling their best right but doesn't necessarily have the skill set to talk to their colleague about an issue that they are having, or communicate clearly about what's going on with this particular kid, uh, and those are the some of the some of the places that a lot of our our issues are starting to come up.
0: And, and how do you train that?
1: Well, for me in particular, uh, every, everything is a is a quote unquote team building activity. So whether we are sitting in a lecture just listening to Scott talk, whether we are doing some activity, whether we are um doing hands-on work as far as getting out there and and setting up camp. Whatever it is that we are doing, I tell my directors and the people who run training that we are going to frame it in this idea of teamwork, right? And so we're going to do a bunch of physical setup of camp, great. I want you to think about breaking them down into the groups that they are actually going to be working with and doing some manual labor stuff, right? Because there is nothing like a shared experience to build a relationship. Uh, Mm -hmm. If we are going to be doing some sort of lecture, great. I want them to, uh, when we split up into small groups and workshop or brainstorm a particular idea that comes out of that lecture, one of the debrief questions or one of the small group questions that we're going to be kind of working on is how do we take this idea and how do we know how to do that idea together or as a pair working with this particular cabin group, right? So like swinging back around in our some of our debrief or some of our workshop kind of questions, swinging back around to that idea of how are we doing this together? Even as, as detailed as when my directors are doing their um, mid-summer and end of the summer evaluations with staff, right? You think, okay, evaluation, this is the one place where it really is about this individual, it's not about the rest of the group. I actually say, nope, that's wrong. For every thing that you want to talk about that that is a person's strength, I want them to have to identify how the people around them play into that. So if I'm, you know, if I'm that counselor that is just over the top, I can get everyone's attention. I can lead a huge group activity. I can do all this great stuff. I want to be forced in a moment that I am having with my supervisor where I am talking about that strength, I want to be forced to see how the people around me play into that, how my co-counselor actually supports me in that. And the same is true for things that are challenging to me, right? If, If there's an issue that's challenging to me that my supervisor wants to identify and help me work on, one of the things that I need to work on, one of the methods, quote unquote, to getting better at that has to be how do I pull in the people around me? How do I look for help? How do I look for resources? How do I look for a role model to my colleagues or, frankly, to people that I might supervise? If I'm a 19- or 20-year-old senior counselor and I've got a junior counselor or a CIT in my cabin, well, just because those folks have less experience than me doesn't necessarily mean that I can't learn something from them about how to get better myself, right? And so, again, all across the board, you know, teamwork and team play for us and how do we... How do we train it? Back to your question, it 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 is training. It, it it's the it's one of, uh, if not the running thread throughout our entire training process. Um, even to the point where it's it's a it's a major part of our, our interviews, um, talking about uh, group work and teamwork and 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 so on and so forth.
0: Now it's time to ask Scott uh, a few random questions. Where do you stand on campers having cell phones and other electronics at camp?
1: Um, well, that's interesting because I um, I have two totally opposite philosophies that I think both work. Um, <laughs> so at Dragonfly and at Camp Tall Tree, we basically say no, no electronics, no cell phones. For all the standard reasons that everybody listening to this and everybody in the industry says, right? We it's time to unplug, it's a time to do, you know, to have away time from all that and sure. and you know, we don't want to ramp up homesickness and all that kind of stuff. And I believe that. I believe all of that. And then here we go, come we come to Stomping Ground this past year, and sure enough, what did I what did we do? We said, Yeah, have whatever you want. You can bring whatever you want. We're not responsible for it, by the way, but if you want to have a phone or whatever, bring it. And we made it incumbent upon ourselves to create a space where kids could, A, be okay with that, and B, uh, where they could make some choices on their own to not have their phone and not just look at their DS and not just have their iPad out. And sure enough, that is what happened. When you give kids the space to self-regulate, they do. You can't be lazy about it. You can't just say, oh, you know, you can have your phone. Uh, we're all going to go to the gym and play. I hope you don't look at your phone,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. of that course, it's going to be
1: like, "Well, this sucks." I'm just going to look at my phone. Um, but when you can create a space where kids are naturally attracted to other other places, you know, it feels really good to a kid. So, it to, sounds like
0: what you're saying is it depends on fun. the culture of the camp.
1: It depends on the culture of the camp. Gotcha. I no longer come down one way or the other. I no longer. When it comes to electronics, specifically cell phones, I am no longer, after the summer of 2015, I am no longer going to be prescriptive about that. I want to be provocative about that. And what I mean by that is anybody that says we have this philosophy for this reason, I'm going to say, great, I'm so glad you have a philosophy for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. I hope you don't mind if I ask a bunch of really hard questions that make you really think about it. (laughs) Because that's what I want people to do. I'm not interested anymore in saying to people, don't have phones for this reason, enough said. I'm much more interested in saying, okay, let's dig into it. Let's get real about this. Why? What's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's dig into it. And if at the end of that you have the same philosophy, awesome. Then you have a really well-thought-out policy and philosophy.
0: Right. I'm curious, what's your favorite camp song?
1: My favorite camp song – well, actually, my favorite camp song is um, a song called The Cannibal King, which not very many camps sing. It's a fairly complicated song, and it is not not a uh, a repeat-after-me song, so it's hard to learn.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, But I, I absolutely love it my i i really love i think um actually you might have posted something about this in one in a, in a blog but i really love um the my little teapot yeah the teapot yeah but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the to the uh to uh we are the champions that beat i, lo- um, I, I love, love that the way
0: you do that
1: yeah i love that and specifically because it's not a repeat after me song, even though I do love repeat after me songs. It's not a repeat after me song, but yet it's a song that basically every kid can sing mm-hmm. without even being taught. So, right.
0: and what's your favorite camp activity? What you know, was it as a kid? What was your favorite going to as camp?
1: As a kid, I will, I would probably say it was uh, either riflery or archery. Thinking back about those experiences, I don't actually remember being very proficient at shooting a rifle or an arrow. <laughs> I mean I we did AAA archery, you know, American Association of Archery and I do remember getting pins and I got pretty high and whatever, but when I think about it, the things that I remember are of course the staff and the conversations we'd get into and being able to be their helper and and set out the arrows for the next round. Yeah, and things yeah. like that. That's what, of course what I remember. And so that's, of course, why those are my favorite activities.
0: Tell me a little bit about your book and what it's about.
1: It's than Camp uh, is actually getting kind of old. It's about seven years
0: <laughs> old. Are you looking to do an update?
1: I'm looking to do an update. You know, In all my spare time, I, I try to write.
0: <laughs> which is
1: uh, why no one's seen a second book from me in the last seven years. Um, but Than Camp is really about, uh, it's really a youth development book. It really looks at... The best practices of working directly with, with kids. And so it goes through ideas like, uh, communication and problem solving and difficult conversations and behavior management ideas. Pretty much it's, it's, it's a book for frontline staff, um, about working directly with kids. The, the, the way I tried to write the book was, um, using a voice that is speaking directly to that group. Uh, knowing that probably 99% of the people who read that book will be that group's supervisors, will be the directors and the program directors and assistant directors. But I tried to use that voice because I felt like that would be one that all of us could identify with. And then the, the the final sort of hook that is actually in the subtitle of the book and that I try to bring up along the way is that all of these concepts, these strategies or techniques that that are essentially or at least framed around working with kids are really great ideas for working with each other. So if we're going to talk about something around communication and best practices around being very clear with your expectations, well, that's great, and I really want every counselor out there to be able to do that, but wouldn't that be awesome if we could do that with all of our colleagues? Wouldn't it be awesome if we knew how to do that with our supervisor? Wouldn't it be awesome if we knew how to do that with our parents and anybody else, right? So th- those are those are some of the other uh, ideas that I sprinkle in through the book to try to frame it so that it can be ultimately fairly useful in kind of where, whatever situation you're in.
0: Got it. So you've got the book for the frontline staff, and then you've got the uh, director's camp retreat for the directors. And so that weekend, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. So director's camp is something that I run with uh, Chris Thurber and Steve McGuire, who are also two, you know, two other. Uh, camp consultants and trainers, and um, basically it is uh, kind of exactly what it sounds like. It is director's camp. So we we post up at a camp for a long weekend from a Friday afternoon to a Sunday afternoon, and uh, we basically do a weekend of professional development where we talk about uh, things um, in terms of uh, organizational development, leadership strategies, uh, behavior with uh, campers and staff, dealing with parents, you know, all the sort of issues that every youth development professional, um, whether you're running a summer camp or an uh, after-school program or really anything, kind of struggle with. And and we come and we keep it really small. It's, it's 30 participants and under. Um, and it turns out to be uh, some of the best professional development that any of us really get to do over the course of a year because we don't have to worry about your typical sort of conference setting and your, or your typical professional development setting where there may be competing sessions, there, you know, all of our technology is out and all over the place where we're constantly being pulled in all different directions. Here we are just at camp. You know? So we all eat together, we all stay in cabins together, we have recreation time together, and you know if we're talking about one thing and the group kind of wants to keep going, huh, we just keep going. Um, so it's a really nice opportunity to do professional development in a totally different environment than all of us are used to, but in an environment that we're all very comfortable and familiar with.
0: And where does it take place?
1: Uh, for our first five years, it was at YMCA
0: Camp Belknap,
1: uh, which is in New Hampshire. And this past year was at Camp Wingate Kirkland, which is out on, on, on uh, Cape Cod. In Massachusetts,
0: okay, is that where you plan on
1: having it next year? As well? Yeah, planning going back to Wingate Kirkland next year, um, and we've been approached by a couple of other camps in, in regionally in different areas, and we might try and do like a Directors Camp West or a Directors Camp South or something like that in the future. But right now, we're 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 sticking with Wingate Kirkland for at least a, another couple of years.
0: So with only thirty spots, um, are, when do you open registration for that for two thousand sixteen?
1: Uh we will open registration probably sometime in November. Um right now we're basically just working through the potential dates. It's it's always either the last weekend of September or the first weekend of October. We try to respect some of the major Jewish holidays that are right around then. And then also um both Steve and Chris uh Steve is a is a high school teacher and Chris works um in at uh, uh, Phillips Exeter Academy. Um, uh, so you know we try to respect basically the school schedules as well. Gotcha. And so they're kind of working through what that means. And so it'll be one of those two weekends. As soon as we know, we open the registration and we typically close it by um, May, June. Uh, we're typically full.
0: And you have your whole consulting side. What, if a camp wanted to um, hire you to consult, what, what's your specialty? What's your area? Um, if a camp calls and says, well, well, Scott, what's your favorite stuff
1: to do? If, you, if we called and said, hey, will you do the greatest hits, what would that be? Um, most of it really comes down to behavior management. I, I am very, uh, I, I, I'm very in tune with that stuff. I love the behavior management aspects. And, and frankly, in my opinion, so much of the interactions between adults and kids at camp is centered around their behavior, both good and bad. And so having some real tried and true strategies right there uh, is very important for, for, for our frontline staff. So those are some of the things that I do.
0: That's great. We've got, well, we're coming into, I guess, in January, February, March, the conference season. I assume you're going to be at a few of those?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to be at the very least at tri-state, ACA Tri-State and ACA National okay. um, this year. And I'll probably be doing a few other ones. Um, but, yeah, I'll be around if people want to come check me out. I'd love I'd love for them to come and say hi.
0: How else can uh, people get a hold of you or reach out, uh, whether it be social media or your website?
1: Yeah, best way is my website. I'm I'm not as good as some of you folks on social media. I'm <laughs> really hard, but, you know, that's just one of the things that I just know I need to get better at. But, yeah, my website is thecampcounselor.com. Uh, and there's a there's a uh, contact me kind of right there, and that that's that's usually the way people get at me is is, is through through my website.
0: And I'll link that uh, in the show notes uh, to okay. your website. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule and uh, away from the boys who are napping right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no
1: problem. No problem. Moose, thanks. I really appreciate your your invitation, and this was a lot of fun. I'd love to do it again.
0: Well there you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Scott Arizala. And all the things that we talked about will be linked in the show notes. And you can find the show notes at summercamppro.com episode five. Urg! Shiver me, Timbers! I was about to set sail when I almost forgot. It's time for announcements, you scallywags. <laughs> okay. All right, announcement number one. A lot of you know that I have ebooks in PDF format available for purchase on my site. And these are full of the best ideas that have come out of the monthly email roundtables that I do. Uh, but what's really cool is that three of those books are now available in hard copy formats on Amazon. And those three are 100 Outstanding Summer Camp Program Ideas. That's the first one. The second one is 101 Ways to Create an Unforgettable Camp Experience. And the third book is a collection of color war tips, tricks, and great ideas. And it is full of great ideas for both resident camps and day camps to uh, enhance or to start a color war program at your camp. I will have links to those three books on the show notes page. The second announcement I have is, I know I've said this before, but there are two great Facebook groups that all camp professionals should be a part of. The first one is for all uh, people who work in summer camp, whether it be resident camp or day camp. And that is the Summer Camp Professionals Group, and that's run by Travis Allison. It's a closed group, so you have to request to join. As soon as he sees that, he will go ahead and let you in. The other one is specifically for day camp professionals. It's one that I started, and it is also a closed group, so just request to be a member of that group, and I'll go ahead and let you in as well. And both of those groups uh, I will link in the show notes as well. Again, the show notes can be found on my website and that's summercamppro.com episode five. And finally, let people know about this podcast and the other resources uh, that are online for camp professionals. There are plenty of youth organizations uh, like Parks and Recreation Departments, Boys and Girls Clubs, JCCs, where a lot of the supervisors, directors, specialists don't know about American Camp Association or any of the resources that are available to them. So it would be great if you are in one of these industries to let them know what is out there so that they can improve their camp programs as well. All right. So that's all I have for you guys. I have a great week and I'll see you on the next episode.